Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show! I had to get just a little extra, little extra power behind that one, a little extra energy. This episode needs a little extra juice. <laughs> Here's why. Here's why. So this is uh, this is outside of my comfort zone, outside of my wheelhouse. I'm not an analytics-driven analyst when it comes to fantasy football. I'm not a numbers guy. I I mean I I can I can do that stuff. I can appreciate that stuff sometimes <laughs> i don't even i'll be honest i don't even appreciate it all that much <laughs> like that's part of why i don't really do it i like analytics in fantasy football kind of frustrates me kind of annoys me if i'm being totally honest here um it's and it's it it's not first of all this is not directed at any analyst in particular in fact, I you know, I've got some very good friends in this community who can rely on statistics, rely on analytics, and end up putting out some very, very useful content. You know, so don't get it twisted. It's it's not it's it's not the analysts behind it. To me, it like it's it's just kind of the overall idea of analytics. Because, you know, you think about it and a, a big part of, of analytics is based on, you know, the idea that outliers just don't really exist, or at least that we're not going to chase them. You know, it's, it's always kind of, you know, this is like, this is the most likely scenario for each of these players. Here's their projections based on what they've already done here. It's based on what's already happened. And, you know, there isn't really the existence of an outlier in that analysis. So, I, you know, I'm not a fan of that because we know that there, that outliers exist. You know, I, I, I know that, you know, statistically speaking, you can't really chase that. But the fact that it exists 
means that we've got to try and find it. We've got to we've got to try and run this down, right? You know, Lamar Jackson, Michael Thomas, and Christian McCaffrey in 2019. You know, those were uh, the, while the while the you know the statistical the the numbers butts. That's what I call the that's what I call the statistics based analytics based. Uh, you know, fantasy football analysts, the numbers butts would have told you that those are outliers. You know, they would have said, yeah, we couldn't have predicted that. We couldn't have predicted outlier seasons. We don't even try. We don't try and chase down outliers. Okay, well, (laughs) because I wasn't, because we were ignoring the possibility of outliers, we just got our ass kicked by the guy who drafted, or by the by the person who drafted those three imp- those three players in particular. So, like, I'm I'm happy for you that you get to just chalk that up as an outlier. But that outlier kicked my ass. <laughs> so, so I want to be the one finding those outliers, right? And in order to do that, first we have to acknowledge that outliers are going to happen necessarily going to happen every single year it's going to happen so you know that's that's part of my problem with it part of my problem with it is you know there's there's uh, I, I i've heard a lot of analysts you know the statistical analytics driven fantasy football analysts make the point that they don't even have to watch the game they can get everything they need from the you know, from the from the stats, from the from the the box score. And that I mean, you miss a ton of context. And in, in I, I don't know. to me, that's just it's super important context. And it's a maybe a little too, I guess conceited is the word I want to use here. Man, I'm really going hard after these guys right now. Especially to to lead off, like I said, a numbers-driven episode of the Superflex Super Show here. But I do feel like I kind of need to set this up a little bit. Because, you know, there's there's kind of a time and a place. There's a right way and a wrong way to apply analytics. A wrong way is to say, I don't have to see what happens on the field. Just to, Just show me the box score. That's all I need to know. You know? Because again, you miss context. I've had to argue here on the super for those who have been longtime listeners of the Superflex Super Show, you remember it wasn't all that long ago when I had to argue with one of my former co-hosts, who will remain nameless because he's not here to defend himself. Uh, but you know, he would get particularly upset and uh, start. start you know, slamming his fist on the table and breaking shit and, you know, just, just getting, getting all kinds of fired up, uh, over, over Aaron Rodgers because the analytics say, say that Aaron Rodgers was past his prime, right? Analytically, what we're trying to do is we're trying to chase trends. Well, okay, let's talk for a second about what that freaking trend was. And then you tell me if that process was flawed or not. Okay, and I'm going to and that's that's the thing. I'm going to add in the context here because it it is important. 
You know, you're not going to get the full story just from looking at box scores, looking at statistics. But I had to argue about Aaron Rodgers supposedly being on the downside of his career because there was a downward trend over the course of essentially three seasons, right? And, and I, you know, to the, to the credit of, of my good friend and former co-host, he, he did throw out the 2017 season when Aaron Rodgers missed most of the season with an injury. You know, roughly half of that season was, was lost to an injury. So we didn't count that. We took that out of the data set. But so we start with 2016, right? When Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback number one overall for fantasy purposes. Fourth time in his career that he had done it, by the way. But, you know, you start from QB1 overall, you're on top of the world. There's nowhere to go but down. <laughs> so so we're really going to hold it against him that in 20, uh, 2018, again, we're going to skip over 2017. 2017 didn't count. He missed a lot of that season with an injury. So we go on to 2018, played the entire season, and finishes a quarterback six. And that's a bad thing because he dropped – from quarterback one to quarterback six. I'm saying it really slowly just to just for effect, just to let it sink in, just to let you let that really permeate your brain. He dropped from quarterback one to quarterback six. Oh my God. How dare he? <laughs> How dare he? not finish quarterback one overall every single of every single season of his career. Pat Mahomes is still looking for his second QB one overall season, by the way, <laughs> out of three tries. So it, it, not everybody finishes is the QB one overall four times. In fact, I mean, nobody else has uh, besides Aaron Rodgers. But anyways... So he drops from QB1 to QB6. 2019, he falls to quarterback 11. Another five-spot five spot drop in overall finish, right? So now we're, so we're talking, like the trend is, statistically speaking, the trend is he's dropping five spots every single season. And that trend is going to continue because that's what trends do. <laughs> that's what a trend is, right? So, you know, so th that was the whole that was the whole discussion, if you want to call it that, throughout the offseason was, you know, going into 2020 was Aaron Rodgers is washed up and he's on a downward trend. He's old, he sucks now, and he's on a downward trend. So, you know, just 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 looking purely at the analytics of this. The probability says that he's going to drop five more spots to QB 16 overall, which he had never done. He had never been outside of the QB 1 range in his entire career in a season where he's fully healthy for the entire season. But yet, you know, we're still going to follow this trend 
And we're going to call that the probability instead of, you know, going with what has happened throughout his entire career, right? We're going to, instead, we're just going to, we're just going to focus on these last three seasons and what's happened. And and we're going to say that this trend is going to continue. And that's without the context, by the way, of the fact that in quarter, in, in, 2018, when he finishes a quarterback six overall. First of all, that's his first season without Jordy Nelson, without an effective Randall Cobb. And, you know, a bunch of young wide receivers, rookie wide receivers, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro, all of these guys come in, Equinemius St. Brown, all of these guys come in. You have no idea which ones are going to work, which ones aren't. It's Devontae Adams and a bunch of babies, essentially. The last year of Mike McCarthy. And, you know, so he's already coming into, coming into that season with a, a, this young, inexperienced wide receiving core trying to figure out who the hell he can trust and throw to. And then, in the first half... Of the first game of the season, he's hit in the legs by Khalil Mack. Suffers an MCL injury. I don't remember if it was a tear, a sprain, a strain. I don't, I, I don't know. But he played the entire 2018 season on a bad knee. And still finishes a quarterback six. But like, you, you know, you, you, in order to, in order to, you know, in order to do this properly from a from an analytics perspective, you have to ignore all of that context, and you have to just say, "Hey, he dropped five spots." Don't look at the box score. Look at you only look at the box score. Sorry, only look at the box score. Only look at the numbers. Don't look at the context. Forget that this is a human being and not a robot. And just look at the numbers. And that's what it tells you is that he dropped five spots. Okay, fine. Then we go on to 2019. New head coach, new system. For the first time in his pro career, he's learning a new system. Still has that young group of wide receivers. But now he has a young head coach bringing in his own offensive system, leaning heavily on the running game, you know, which was particularly effective, by the way, led by Aaron Jones, but also with a good amount of Jamal Williams mixed in as well. But, you know, the, the, the bottom line is here's Aaron Rodgers trying to learn this new system, again, for the first time in his career. And, you know, to, in, in most cases, I think that we're going to give a quarterback the benefit of the doubt. We do it with rookies all the time. We say, oh, you know, he didn't do that well because he was a rookie. He was learning, you know, he was, he was learning a new system. He was learning the pro game. He was learning, the, you know, this pro-style system. We let them off the hook. For it, even though you know they have they have athleticism to fall to fall back on that a thirty six year old Aaron Rodgers didn't have, but okay, whatever, <laughs> he's held to a different standard. That's fine. He still finished as a quarterback one. 
he still finished as a top 12 quarterback. But we have to ignore all that context. We have to ignore the fact that there was an accomplishment in spite of, you know, all these all these different forces working against him. And just look at the numbers. Just look at the analytics. And it says another five spot drop. That's all we know. It doesn't matter how he got there. All that matters is that it happened. And so now, you know, going into 2020, again, we're, we're, we're picking up on a trend, supposedly. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's the analytic process. That's a statistical probability is that that trend is going to continue and he's going to feel he's going to finish as a QB as the QB 16 for the first time in his career even if he plays a fully healthy season for the first time in his career he's going to finish outside of the top 12 quarterbacks because that's the trend and then what happens lo and behold quarterback two overall and then they get to just chalk it up to an outlier. <laughs> it is maddening. It is absolutely maddening. And, and that's a big part of why. I mean, I'm very process-based. I'm very, you know, narrative-based. The context matters to me. The context is important to me. And I think that there are some numbers that we can use. There, you know, there are numbers that we can look at that also can be very important for us and be very useful for us. But the problem is we have to use them right. <laughs> we have to look at them right. And, and we, have to, we have to include context. And even if you don't want to, you know, even if you don't want to include context, even if you want to ignore the, the context, hashtag no context, even if you want to do that, you still, it's so important that you use these numbers properly, right? It's, it's, it doesn't do any good to just spit out a number, call it canon, <laughs> and, you know, without, without thinking about what that number actually represents. And points per game is, to me, is the number one example of this. Okay, so... When we talk about value over replacement at the quarterback position. So yeah, let's 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 bring all this back to you know, Superflex Super Show, not just John bitching about analytics hour. <laughs> let's let's actually let's actually get something done here. And let's talk quarterback extreme a little bit because you know, we've talked a lot about about this. The big thing with quarterback extreme is getting enough quarterbacks that you can stream quarterbacks within your roster in season. That's why we want five of them. We want, we want options on a weekly basis. You know, we also want to make sure that we've got, um, that we've got a quarterback at super flex at all times. So even if somebody gets hurt, even if, you know, one or two guys are on by, we're still going to have enough quarterbacks to fill that super flex spot with, with a quarterback. And part of the, one of the arguments, one of the big arguments against this has been 
value over replacement. And the idea is, you know, you look at, you go through and look at quarterbacks, you know, for the season, you look at their points per game and you say, you know, these guys aren't scoring a whole lot more than any other quarterback for the most part. Again, they're, they're outliers and they'll acknowledge that they'll, they'll acknowledge, you know, that Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, they were all well over 20 points a game while, you know, the, the quarterbacks, you know, in the, the guys in the quarterback 20 range were around 13. So there was around a 10 point difference. That's that's not unusual. Kind of the unusual part is that we had three or four quarterbacks. I think Kyler Murray was also in that range. We had essentially four quarterbacks averaging, you know, about 10 points a game more than, you know, the guys in the mid to low quarterback two range. That part is unusual. Usually what happens is we've got that one quarterback who has the outlier season. We have Lamar Jackson in 2019. We have Pat Mahomes in 2018. You know, we've got we've got those guys, just that one outlier who just blows the doors off of everybody else. But the rest of the quarterback position, when you look at points per game, they're they're fairly close. You know, so essentially they're all within about five points of each other. And so the idea is, you know, why would I spend my first pick on Deshaun Watson and get, you know, 18 points per game from him when I could wait until the, you know, sixth round to get Baker Mayfield, who's going to average 14 points a game. I only lost four points. I should be able to make up that difference with any running back that I would take with that first pick. You know, instead of taking Deshaun Watson, I take Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey should be able to give me a four-point difference over pretty much ever any any running back to a point where, you know, Christian McCaffrey plus Baker Mayfield equals Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson and, you know, whatever running back. So that's that's kind of the value over replacement argument is that the quarterbacks don't score you know, they, they end up with similar points per game. Okay, we're misusing <laughs> we're misusing the average. Points per game is an average. We're misusing that. Right? We're misinterpreting it. What we're supposed to be doing here is using points per game to just set a norm. And then we need to be looking for deviations from that norm. Because you think about what an average actually is, how you actually get there to that average. You know, if, you're, if your average points per game is, is 20 points, does that necessarily mean that you scored 20 points every single week? It's so rare. It's so rare that that actually happens. Generally speaking, what actually happens is, you know, you had a 20-point game, you had a 40-point game, 
and then you had two 10-point games. That's how we got to that average. You know, so you hit your average once. You were well above average once. And then those other two games, you were just crap. <laughs> like, that's what actually... And we need to be looking at what actually happened on a weekly basis. That's the only way that those averages mean anything to us, is if we're actually... if we're starting there and then finding deviations on either side. And what you end up finding out is, you know, these quarterbacks who gave you a nice high average... They did it with a few monster games and some ab absolute dud games. And I would submit to you that that doesn't do us nearly as good as it, as it seems on paper. You know, if I'm getting, you know, if I, again, if I get that 140 point game one week, but I have to get those two 10 point weeks you know, to make up for it. I mean, I, I very well could have gone, you know, one and two out of those three games. Now, the truth is quarterback is rarely going to be the reason that you lose. It's rarely going to be the reason. It, they're not going to let you down very often. Like even a bad quarterback week is usually going to be double digits. You can't say that about the other positions. The other positions will actually get goose-egged <laughs> from time to time, fairly frequently, in fact. But quarterbacks have a pretty high floor, a double-digit floor. But what quarterback extreme does is it helps us, it helps us create a ceiling every single week because we get to cherry-pick matchups, we get to go with hot hands. And best of all, we don't have to accept, you know, a, a, a quarterback in a bad matchup. If we, you know, if we see it coming that this quarterback is about to have a bad week because he's going up against, you know, the L.A. Rams, number one defense in the league with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, we don't, <laughs> we don't have to just lean into that. We don't have to just, you know, dig in our heels and take it. And say, you know, whatever happens, happens. Hopefully it's not too horrible. Hopefully they're still, you know, they, they can salvage, you know, 15-point per performance. But we get to s instead say, I mean, I've got a quarterback here with a dream matchup. I'm taking this guy out, and I'm instantly increasing my ceiling because I've got a much better matchup now at the super flex position. So we get to do that on a weekly basis because we've got enough guys to stream. You know, and all of a sudden, that per game average just doesn't quite mean as much to us because, you know, the... You tell me, you know, I'm I'm in week 15, and I've got that quarterback in that bad matchup going against the Rams, and I'm one and done. You know, I'm in the fantasy playoffs, so if I lose this game, I'm out. And I have to start, you know, I have to start Russell Wilson 
going against the LA Rams, even though it's a bad matchup. You know, I, I still have to do it. I don't care anymore that his per-game average is 18 points. I don't care what his average is. All I care is what does he do this week? Does he keep me alive and get me to week 16 so I have a chance to play for a championship? And the answer was no. Like, that was a literal, that, that literally happened. He scored 13 points in week 15. That was actually against Washington. It wasn't against the Rams. Week 16, he played the Rams and actually did quite well. Well, 18 points. He did well. He didn't do uh, 19 points. Okay, it's getting better. Getting it, it's it's looking a lot better for Russell Wilson. But you know the it still stands. He he had a bad matchup in week 15. He gave you 13 points. He wasn't the reason that you lost. But you had to get it right throughout your lineup, you know, to ensure the win because he he certainly didn't give you enough points to give you, you know, kind of he he didn't give you any kind of advantage. He didn't give you any kind of cushion, any kind of buffer, you know. But we can create that at the quarterback position if we've got enough of those guys. To me, the number is still five. You know that get that that still keeps you streaming through bye weeks, through injuries. You're still able to choose from multiple quarterbacks at that point. You know, so that's that's what I would submit to you. But let's talk about some numbers here, just so you know that I'm not just just making this up as I go. <laughs> it's again, I I'm I'm not a numbers guy. But to me, these are this is eye popping. These are big, important numbers. So, as, if we want to talk about an average again, to me, what I think that we want to talk about is not what is the average that player A did. What was his average? I don't care about that. That doesn't tell me the story. Tell me the average of an actual of of all quarterbacks. Like to me, that's the, those are the important numbers. And so what I can tell you is among quarterbacks who started at least five games, their average score was 17 points per game in uh, 2020. Among quarterbacks who started at least 10 games, they scored 18 points a game. So that's the number that we want to get to. That's the number that we want to we want to make sure that we're on the the positive side of that number. We want to at least be there, if not above that, every single week. Right? Because as long as we're hitting that average with both our quarterback and our superflex position, I mean it means at the very worst we're going to uh, you know our our quarterback and our superflex are going to match pretty much any other quarterback combination that people can throw. And that's that's agnostic of any other, you know, any circumstances on their end, right? We're, that's us saying, you know, regardless of what you've got, I'm still going to be right there with you. 
But then you look at what they're dealing with. They only have two or three quarterbacks. One of them's on bye. And one of them's in a bad matchup. All of a sudden, I mean, average is a hell of a number to them. And they're not they're probably not gonna get there. Not with both of their players. You know, if they've got two quarterbacks who are startable, but one's in a bad matchup, you know, maybe those their starting quarterback is going to get them to that average, that 18 points. Your opponent's going to get 18 points from their quarterback. And then the other quarterback's in a bad matchup, and they're looking at probably a 10-point game from that player. You know, it's a bad quarterback because they ignored QB in the startup and now they're, you know, now they've got kind of weak options. You know, they've, they went with Teddy Bridgewater, Jared Goff. They got those guys late, you know? So Drew Brees, they got some of those guys late where we went quarterback early and quarterback often. So we've got elite options, but right now we're just going to, we're just going to say in the worst case scenario but they still have a bad matchup at the with their for their quarterback at the super flex position, right? So they're looking at a 10-point game from that player. They just lost 8 points against the average where even in the worst case scenario, we're able to guarantee that we're going to be we're going to hit the average with both of our quarterbacks. So we just got an 8-point an an eight point cushion from our quarterback in superflex, and that's kind of the minimum. <laughs> you know, generally speaking, that's going to end up being the minimum. We're going to get at least that much of a cushion by being able to stream, because the reality is we're probably going to be able to find some guys in good matchups. If we've got five quarterbacks. Chances are one of them's going to have a good matchup where they're going to be able to outscore the average, the quarterback average of 18 points, and build up that cushion even more, well into the double digits. So we want the quarterbacks who are going to be in that range consistently, as consistently as possible. So it's, it's less about... You know, what do they score? What does player A score on a weekly basis? And it's more about how often does player A score, quarterback A score, how often does quarterback A score, you know, at least the the average for a quarterback? That's a much more telling number. It's much more important. And here's what I'll tell you about that. Patrick Mahomes, so <laughs> I, I talked about this on the last episode. Patrick Mahomes kind of breaks QBX a little bit, and it's because of the consistency. You know, you you I think that you put him at QB1, you set it and forget it. A lot of people want to do that across the board. People want to do that with, especially if you're going to take a quarterback in the first round, you're hoping to start that guy every single week. You just want to set it and forget it. And, and if you do that, there's honestly, there's no point in going quarterback extreme. 
the whole point of this is every single week, both our quarterback and our super flex position are up for grabs among all five of our quarterbacks. Nobody gets a free pass. Problem is Pat Mahomes gets a free pass. <laughs> he's he's just so consistent. So Pat Mahomes out of 15 games, 14 times, he hit he uh he was at or above the average score for a quarterback, 18 points a week. Even if you go back through each individual week and break down that weekly average. What was the average score for a quarterback in, you know, week one, week five, week 13, week 16? You know, because that fluctuated. In uh, week nine, the, the average score for a quarterback was 20.88 points, essentially 21 points. That was the highest for any week of the season. The lowest was 15.3 points in week 12. That was the average score for a quarterback, a starting NFL quarterback in week 12 was 15.3 points. You know, so there's about a, a five and a half point gap there. That's that's kind of the range. Well, even with that, Pat Mahomes was still at or above that average in 14 out of 15 games. The only game where he didn't get there was against my Denver Broncos in a game that Kansas City won 43 to 16. <laughs> they got an interception return, they got a long touchdown run by Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they got a uh, a kick return for a touchdown. And then Pat Mahomes got por- pulled in the fourth quarter because the game was you know easily at hand. He scored, he got 200 yards and a touchdown. Now, if you take any one of those, of those, you know, flukish plays away, take away the long touchdown run from Clyde Edwards Alaire, take away, you know, the kick return by Byron Pringle, take away that interception return for a touchdown, take away any one of those touchdowns, make him get out on the field, he throws a touchdown, he makes his week. And we're talking about 15 out of 15 weeks where Pat Mahomes was at or above average. You know, that it's just he was just that consistent. So, you know, he's he's the one guy that I think you set it and forget it. But Aaron Rodgers also did it in 14 out of 14 weeks. He hit the he hit the quarterback average for the season, the 18 points a week. He hit that 14 times out of 15 games. Uh, As far as the actual, you know, individual weekly average, Aaron Rodgers hit that 12 times. So, you know, it's still pretty strong, but there were three games there where he gave you a below average week and didn't really contribute to, you know, to, to that cushion that we're trying to build. Kyler Murray 12 times, Josh Allen 12 times, Russell Wilson 11 times, Deshaun Watson 11 times, Lamar Jackson 11 times, Justin Herbert 10 times. So those guys, you know, the, those were 
those are double digit numbers for each one of those guys in terms of consistently being among every single week, regardless of what the weekly average is for quarterbacks, those guys are still among at or above the the average. You know, so that's the type of consistency that I think we want. You know, so it, like you look at guys like, I, I mean, Baker Mayfield. Let's use Baker Mayfield as the example. Average 13 and a half points a game. Seems respectable. You know, that's pretty close to the averages of some of the guys above him. But in terms of hitting the weekly averages, hitting that that average for the season for a quarterback, he only did it four times. Hitting the individual weekly average, he only did that five times. Which means in order for him to get to that 13.5 point per game average, he had to have some absolute monster seasons in there. Absolute monster games, I'm sorry. He had some monster games. He outscored the, the weekly average by at least five points three times. Two of those times he was 10 points or more above the weekly average. I know that doesn't feel like a lot. Kirk Cousins only did it once. Ben Roethlisberger did it once. Matt Ryan did it once. Derek Carr did it once. Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, Teddy Bridgewater, Phillip Rivers, those guys were never above the weekly average uh, by at least 10 points. They didn't do it once. Baker Mayfield did it twice. That's how he got his per-game average up. Again, we have to identify and we have to acknowledge outliers. Baker Mayfield had some outlier games. He just did. Tom Brady had some outlier games, to be honest. I mean, he was still fairly consistent. He was at or above the weekly average nine times. But he also outscored the weekly average by at least five points five times. He outscored the weekly average by at least 10 points four times. Monster weeks to get him to his 318 total points. Let's get his average real quick. 318. 19.87 points per game. To get to that average... I mean, you know, a quarter of the season, he was well above weekly average. We don't care about that nearly as much as we care about, you know, how often can you just be average or better? We don't need you necessarily to score, to outscore the average by 10 points or more. We'll take it. We'll gladly take it. And the thing is, if you've got five quarterbacks in your quarterback extreme roster, you know, you have a much better chance of finding the guy who's going to have that outlier week. You have a much better chance of finding Tom Brady doing it four times. You know, Aaron Rodgers doing it five times. Josh Allen, eight times. He was at least 10 points above the weekly average for a quarterback. 
So, you know, we have a better chance of finding those guys and having them in our lineup when they have that monster week. But we don't necessarily need that. We just want them to, to be average because the, the team that doesn't have options is going to have a hard time maintaining average at quarterback in Superflex. And if we're average, if we're 18, you know, 18 points a week from both positions, we start off with that 26 point, you know, baseline. And again, that's a worst case scenario with five quarterbacks. The absolute worst case scenario is you've got five quarterbacks and none of them has, you know, such a good matchup that you're able to, you know, to to get above average. But still, that's our baseline from those two positions is 26. If they only have two or three quarterbacks, they're not going to be able to match that. So how about we talk just for a, for a minute here to kind of wrap this up, though. Let's talk some specifics a little bit. Like, let's put together a hypothetical roster of quarterbacks, put it up against another group of quarterbacks, you know, a pair of quarterbacks versus our five quarterbacks, and look at what the scoring does. Look at what type of advantage we're giving ourselves with this quarterback extreme strategy. And by playing matchups, that, again, like, that's a big piece of this. First of all, you have to be willing to play matchups. You have to be willing to, you know, to go with, you know, guys who are hot. And and, and above all else, it, it really just is matchups. Just play matchups. And if you do that with five quarterbacks, if you cherry pick the matchups, you're going to give yourself a monster advantage. So let me put together this hypothetical roster real quick for you. Just the just the quarterback group, but we're going QBX, going early and often. So we we took Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Mitchell Trubisky. That's our five quarterbacks: Murray, Wilson, Tannehill, Brady, Trubisky. And we'll just let's just look at week fifteen and sixteen because by then we had all the information that we needed, and we could just make our decisions based off of that. You know, we, we can make the best possible decisions. We had the most information available to us. So let's just start with that. Week 15, Kyler Murray going against the Philadelphia Eagles. They're the 15th best, uh, 15th, 15th worst, 15th best, <laughs> 15th best matchup. There you go for a quarterback, for quarterbacks. Russell Wilson going against Washington. 30th best matchup for quarterbacks, a.k.a. third worst. Ryan Tannehill going against the Detroit Lions, the number one matchup for quarterbacks, the best matchup for quarterbacks. Tom Brady going against the Atlanta Falcons, the second best matchup for quarterbacks. And Mitchell Trubisky going against the Minnesota Vikings, 13th worst matchup. Not a very good matchup for Trubisky, not a great matchup, but an okay matchup for Kyler Murray. Horrible matchup for Russell Wilson. 
Tannehill and Brady have dream matchups, the best possible matchups. All right, so if we set this lineup and we just go chalk, we just say Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Those were our first two picks in the startup. We're rubber stamping those guys. Even though Kyler Murray has a middle-of-the-road matchup and Russell Wilson has a terrible matchup. Kyler Murray ended up being the quarterback two for the week. Quarterback three for the week. With 34.14 points. So, I mean, you, you got that one right with Kyler Murray. But Russell Wilson, 13 points. Almost a third of what Kyler Murray's output was. And less than a third of Ryan Tannehill's output, by the way. But we're going to get to that in just a second. So Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, you just went chalk. You got 47.18 points from your two quarterbacks. One was a, was well above the weekly average, outscored the weekly average by more than 10 points. The other one was below the weekly average. But you still walked away with 47.18 points. Now let's let's give let's let's put another lineup on this on the other side of this. Let's go with a kind of a late round quarterback approach. The, these this team took Drew Brees and Philip Rivers. Got some old guys late, got some good value. And they actually had pretty good matchups in week 15 as well. Okay, so Drew Brees was going against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were the 12th best matchup for quarterbacks. Phillip Rivers going against the Houston Texans, the sixth best matchup for quarterbacks. Breeze goes for 20.36 points, which is right around the weekly average, within a point or two of the weekly average. Phillip Rivers, 17.02 points below the weekly average. Notice, by the way, that Phillip Rivers scored 17.02 points. Like that's still that seems like a good number for a quarterback. That's the whole vor, the whole you know value over replacement argument is the fact that you're still going to get 17 points from Philip Rivers. You don't have to get Kyler Murray in the first round because you can get Philip Rivers late and you're still going to get 17 points from him. Remember that <laughs> this 17 points that was below the weekly average combines with Drew Brees' average score of 20.36 points, both in good matchups, for a total of 37.38 points. You misplayed it and started your two best quarterbacks ignoring ignoring matchups, and you still outscored them by 10 points. They didn't have any other options. By the way, they had to score Breeze and, and Rivers. That's all they had. You had options. You had five quarterbacks to choose from. You went with the two best guys. Quote, unquote, start your studs. Don't do that. I hate start your studs. Play the game. Make your decisions. Manage your roster. Manage your team. Manage your lineup. Don't just start your studs just because they're your studs. Make decisions. Make good decisions. But anyways, you still scored, outscored them by 10 points. If you had played matchups, though, you went with Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady, and I know it would have been really difficult to bench Kyler Murray in favor of Ryan Tannehill or Tom Brady. But if you had done it, you would have got 37.02 points from Ryan Tannehill, quarterback one for the week, 
and you would have got 23.4 points from Tom Brady, which was still right around a little, just a little above the league average, a few points above the week, the, the league average for the week for a quarterback against the number one and number two matchups for quarterbacks, the, the best and the second best matchups for quarterbacks. You got 37.02 and 23.4 for a total of 60.42 points and outscored Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers by 23.04 points. 23.04 points. Two starters. That's the cushion that you gave yourself against Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. By playing matchups, you gave yourself a 23-point advantage. Tell me which quarter, which running backs and which wide, wide receivers that team has. They passed up on quarterbacks early in that startup. They waited, ended up with Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. You tell me which running backs and which wide receivers they had to make up a 23.04 point difference that you created with your quarterback and super flex. I mean, did you just not start any running backs? Did you not start any wide receivers? You had to take zeros at those other positions for them to make up a 23.04 point difference. And then if you happen to get it right, the optimal lineup, 71.16 points between Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill. If you just couldn't get away from Kyler Murray... And you said, you know what? I know that Tom Brady has a better matchup with the Falcons, but I just cannot bench Kyler Murray. He's on fire right now. And then you exploited that that matchup against the Lions with Ryan Tannehill. 71.16 points. Put that up against Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. It's a difference, guys, of 33.78 points. Call it 34 points. And, and honestly, you could have benched wide receivers. Like, just for the sport of it, just, just as a gas. You could have benched your starting wide receivers just to give them a chance, to make them feel like they had a chance to win this matchup against you. And it would not have mattered. You still would have won. 33.78 points. Are you kidding me? That's the difference between quarterback extreme and these two these two late round quarterbacks in good matchups, by the way. <laughs> good matchups. And it still ends up being that 33 point difference. Let's look at those exact same two rosters though in week 16 when things changed a little bit, right? Now we've got Kyler Murray in a bad matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. They're the 25th best defense, or a.k.a. what, 8th worst matchup for quarterbacks. Russell Wilson against the Rams. Absolute worst matchup for a quarterback. Ryan Tannehill against the Packers. 5th uh, worst. 5th worst matchup. For quarterbacks, Tom Brady gets the number one matchup with the Detroit Lions. Mitchell Trubisky's got the fourth best matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
And now Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers are in horrible situations. Minnesota Vikings for Drew Brees. They're the 13th worst matchup for quarterbacks. And Phillip Rivers gets the second worst matchup possible for a quarterback with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it plays out just just like you think it would. Drew Brees went for 10 points. Phillip Rivers went for 11.8. Now, if you had gone chalk, so they totaled 21.94 points, by the way. So if you had went chalk, you stuck with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, even though they had just dreadful matchups. You know, you still would have got, you would have got 36.28 points. You would have outscored that Breeze-Rivers combo by 14.34 points. That's still a starter. That's still one starter. You could afford a dud game from any one of your wide receivers or any one of your running backs, and you still would have been fine because of that 14.34 difference. But if you had played matchups, which is also the optimal lineup, so we'll be able to skip over that one, but if you had played matchups, Tom Brady with the best matchup possible, Mitchell Trubisky with the fourth best best matchup possible, Brady goes for 29.92 points, well above average. Mitchell Trubisky goes for 24.6 points, about five point, a little over five points above average, between five and 10 points above the weekly average. That's a total of 54.52 points. You outscored Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers by doing that by 32.58 points. Just like the previous week when they were in good matchups, now they're in bad matchups, and you were able to exploit that. And again, I mean, you're you're multiple starters ahead just because of those two guys, just because of the quarterbacks at the QB and Superflex positions. Don't believe me? Feel like I'm cherry-picking? We can do this again. I mean, I could do this forever, but let's let's run another one real quick. Lamar Jackson. Let's let's give you these quarterbacks: Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Andy Dalton, and then we'll do the combination of, you know, we'll say you had Joe Burrow, you went and got his backups off a of waiver, so you had both Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen. Okay, week fifteen. Lamar Jackson has the Jaguars' fourth best matchup. Aaron Rodgers has the Carolina Panthers, 13th best matchup. Justin Herbert has the Vegas Raiders, the 7th best matchup. Andy Dalton, bad matchup with the 49ers. That's the 8th worst matchup. Ryan Finley has the Steelers. That's the 2nd worst matchup. Ryan Finley actually ended up playing quite well that game. That was, that was unexpected. He almost He almost scored as much as Aaron Rodgers in that pretty good matchup with Carolina. <laughs> but still, I mean, let's start with let's just start with chalk. If you had just stuck with I mean, and it and it kind of depends. Like who do you call your quarterback to at that point in the season? Is it Aaron Rodgers or is it Justin Herbert? Let's say that you that you were sticking with the MVP, Aaron Rodgers. So the chalk call was Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers, right? Those are kind of your rubber stamp starters. That's 48.54 points. 
48.54 points. Okay. First, I want to put that up against two. Again, we'll look at some late round, later round targets, some guys that people were waiting on in the startup draft, Sam Darnold and Mitchell Trubisky. You know, people felt like they were still getting good young starters, even though they had waited until, you know, the sixth, seventh round, fifth, sixth, seventh round, whatever, to get those guys. Those guys, by the way, here in week 15 had bad matchups. Sam Darnold has the worst matchup with the L.A. Rams. Mitchell Trubisky has the 13th worst matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. And I mean, and again, like you can call this cherry picking, but like this is what actually happens in season. These guys actually have, you know, you've got two quarterbacks and it, it kind of doesn't matter who they are. Sometimes you just have bad matchups. You know, you can't tell me that I'm just going through and finding the quarterbacks with bad matchups. I'm just telling you two quarterbacks that you would have had if you didn't go quarterback extreme. If you went late round quarterback, you tried to get younger guys, you know, at a discount. Sometimes those guys run into bad matchups, and that is the whole damn point, by the way, is the fact that you you had these two quarterbacks in bad matchups, but you couldn't do a damn thing about it. You had to start them. Darnold goes for 14.08. Trubisky goes for 14.48. See, so you still had to start them. You can't even tell me that you would take out either of those guys for a running back or a wide receiver. Because your fifth, sixth, whatever, best wide receiver or running back was not going to get 14 points. Like maybe your second running back got 14 points. But not your, you know, fifth or sixth. Nobody's that deep. So you had to start those guys. You didn't have options. You had to start those guys. You ended up with 28.56 points from them in those bad matchups. Meanwhile, this other, this QBX roster started Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. Just went chalk, even though... Justin Herbert had a better matchup than Aaron Rodgers. We still went chalked, just hypothetically. 58.54 points. 19.98 point difference. Almost a 20 point, call it a 20 point difference at that point. Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson outscored Sam Darnold and Mitch Trubisky by 20 points. And then if you had played matchups, which would have been very easy to do in this case because Justin Herbert is borderline chalk anyways. But then when he has the better matchup than Aaron Rodgers, I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm not saying it's a move I would make necessarily. I I, I I will say that actually. I'll go that far. And I'll tell you that I would I would have started Justin Herbert in the better matchup over Aaron Rodgers. That's the whole point of QBX. And not even my love for Aaron Rodgers is going to push me off of a sound strategy. But so the the optimal lineup here was Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert at quarterback in Superflex. Herbert 27.96 points to go along with Jackson's 30.22. That's a total of 58.18 points. 
outscored Darnold and Trubisky by 29.62 points. Okay, and then in week 16, I and I need to rush through these. I know I'm taking way too long laying this out, but uh, this is just so important. These numbers are so important. And it's so important that we're using these numbers correctly now. You know, that's that's the other thing, like I said, that that analytics often misses is the fact that you have to you have to apply this stuff properly. Right? That's still important. So that's kind of what we're doing here. And man, I like I said, I could do this forever, but you know, I, I do want to I, I I want to rush through this a little bit. But let's move on to week sixteen with those exact two those same two roster combinations. So Lamar Jackson, bad matchup with the Giants. They are the sixth worst matchup for quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, good matchup with the Titans. Fifth best matchup for a quarterback. Justin Herbert, really a pretty good matchup with the Broncos. They're the 10th best matchup for quarterbacks. Despite the fact that some, I mean, they're the only team that kept Pat Mahomes below average. They let some bad quarterbacks have some big weeks. <laughs> I think that's kind of the bottom line. Uh, Andy Dalton, middle of the road matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles, and then Brandon Allen. Remember, we we had both Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley uh, to replace Joe Burrow. So Brandon Allen against the Houston Texans. It's a good matchup, sixth best matchup possible. So. If you went chalk, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, you know, we're going to stick with that one. Call that our, our, our chalk. Actually, we'll go with Justin Herbert in this case. We'll call that the chalk, but it's Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert. Okay. That's 38.04 points. And then your opt or your if you had played matchups, Aaron Rodgers and Brandon Allen had the two best matchups. They were both more than five points above the weekly average. Rodgers twenty six point one four, Allen twenty three point one four. They totaled forty nine point two eight. Your optimal lineup actually would have been Rodgers and Dalton. Dalton's twenty seven point five eight points would have been the most among your five quarterbacks. So they combined for 53.72 points. Sam Darnold and Mitch Trubisky actually had good matchups this week. Darnold gets a Cleveland Browns, eighth best matchup for quarterbacks. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky gets a Jaguars, a fourth best matchup for quarterbacks. Trubisky was actually above average. More than five points above average at 24.6 points. Darnold, 17 points. That's still a respectable number. Below average for the week for a quarterback. But still, it's it's respectable, right? They did about as well as they possibly could have done in this matchup. And if you had went chalk, Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert against those guys, they totaled 41.6. You totaled 31.04. They beat you by four points. And again, to me, that's a worst-case scenario. 
You know, you had Lamar Jackson at about the weekly average. You had Justin Herbert below the weekly average, despite a good matchup. And that's kind of the worst case scenario. They outscored you by four points. If you had played matchups, Aaron Rodgers and Brandon Allen, totaling 49.28 points, you would have beat them by 7.68 points. And if you had somehow got it right with Rodgers and Dalton, you would have beat them by 12.12 points. See, so that's, I mean, that's like kind of the stars aligned for for the, you know, the GM who has Darnold and Trubisky. Best case scenario for those guys. And if you played matchups, you still beat them. And you beat them by, you know, seven points, almost eight points. And if you somehow got your matchup, your, your lineup perfect, if you had your optimal lineup, you still beat them by 12 points. And again, to me, once you get into double digits, you're talking about an entire starter. Like we're kind of hoping for double digits from, you know, at, at least our, like our flex guys, our tight ends in most cases, like we're just hoping for double digits, you know, just give me 30 yards in a touchdown, 40 yards in a touchdown. No, 30 with the catch, you know, catch a 30 yard touchdown pass. Give me to 10 points. That's the absolute most that I'm asking of you, you know, Johnu Smith, <laughs> you know, Donald Parham, Hunter Henry, guys like that. Like, that's that's the most I'm asking for. And, you know, we would have made up for it. We would have, if, if, if our tight end didn't get that double-digit point, we still would have, you know, that double-digit point week, we still would have made up for that with our quarterbacks. So, you know, that's kind of best-case scenario for the other side. Worst-case scenario for us, we still came out on top by double digits. We were at least close. Like, if we went chalk, we were we still lost at the quarterback position, but we were close. But the previous week, we absolutely smashed them. It just wasn't even close. So one more quick exercise here. I just... Just just to kind of illustrate the point, and we'll talk actual last, you know, worst case scenario here. So let's replace Sam Darnold and Mitch Trubisky against that same that same group: Jackson, Rogers, Herbert, Dalton, and Finley. Finley slash Brandon Allen. But let's replace Darnold and Trubisky with two absolute studs. At least, you know, in ter- from from the 2020 offseason. Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill. Those are guys that you would have took with, you know, two of your first three picks in a super flex league. You had to take Kyler Murray in the first round. Then maybe you went running back and then you came back with Ryan Tannehill. And called it good. You subscribe to the early round quarterback part. Take them early. You didn't subscribe to the take them often. So in week 15, you went nuts. You went absolutely ham. Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback, won in a great matchup with the Lions, 37.02 points. Kyler Murray, middle-of-the-road matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles, still finishes as a quarterback three for the week, 34.14 points. Okay, total of 71.6 points. If we had gone chalk, 
which again, I think we're calling Aaron Rodgers with Lamar Jackson. We're calling that chalk. Your lineup of Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill still just destroyed us, 22.62 points. If we had played matchups, if we had got our matchups right, if we had you know gone with the top two matchups, we would have got Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert for a total of 58.18 points. You still would have put, beat us by 12.98 points. Matchups was also our optimal lineup. So you would have beat us by 13 points. You know, with those absolute studs in great matchups, you would have beat us. You would have beat us by 13 points. But go on to week 16 and let's put those same two, those same groups up against each other. So we called Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert our, our chalk lineup at quarterback in Superflex. They totaled 38.04 points. Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, all of a sudden, they've got bad matchups that week. And it shows. They're below the weekly average for quarterbacks. 16.38 for Murray against the 49ers. Ryan Tannehill, 18.34 against the Packers. They totaled 34.72 points. So if we just went chalk, Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, we still outscore you by 3.32 points. If we played matchups, if we had played matchups, we would have went with Aaron Rodgers and Brandon Allen, and we would have outscored you by 14.56 points. And if we happen to get it right with Rodgers and Brandon Allen, Rodgers and Dalton, I'm sorry, Brandon Allen is, is the matchups. We would have went with him, but if we had went with Dalton over Brandon Allen, our optimal lineup, 53.72 points between the two, we would have outscored you by 19 points. We would have outscored Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill by 19 points. So that's the whole point. I, you know, there, there are going to be times where somebody just has the perfect situation. They had Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill in week 15, you ran into that. They both had, you know, good matchups and they put up big numbers. It's possible. But then the following week, you know, if we if we got you in week 16 instead of week 15, your quarterbacks would have gotten absolutely demolished as long as we put any kind of thought into it and took Justin Herbert out of our lineup. If we had played matchups, Aaron Rodgers, Brandon Allen, we would have beat you by 15 points, 14 and a half points. So yeah, anecdotally, those two quarterbacks, you went quarterback early in your startup. You got Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill. Anecdotally, it's possible for those two, as your rubber stamp starters, you have no choice but to start those two. And it's possible for you to get, you know, two of the top three quarterbacks in the league that week and beat us even when we're even when we get our lineup right with five quarterbacks. It's possible. Is it likely? Obviously not. Obviously, it's just as possible, just as likely, in fact that you'll have two good matchups from those guys is that you'll have two bad matchups from those guys. It all depends on what week we run into you. 
Now, is that the type of life you want to live? Is that how you want to play this game? Just hoping that you end up, you know, in the in in the right week, you've got the right combination of quarterbacks. Your two quarterbacks just happen to be in great matchups. You know, in in your you know, throughout your fantasy playoffs. That's the big thing here. You can do that in a regular season and say, all right, I didn't have good matchups this week. Maybe I will next week. And then next week you're fine. You know, as long as you win a little bit more than you lose, you'll get to the playoffs. But what happens when it's one and done? You have to hope that those two quarterbacks that you have, because you don't have options, you don't have a way to get them out of your lineup, so you've got to hope that they've got great matchups all three weeks. Is that the type of game that you want to play? That's my question to you. Is that what you want to do? Do you want to go off of the average? The average is what happens less than half the time, as it turns out. Do you want to just, do you just want to go off of their average and just say, you know what, these guys are on, you know, on a per game basis, these guys are just as good as anybody else. So I only need these two. I'm not going to deal with the, you know, I'm not going to think about the context. I'm not going to worry about the context. That stuff doesn't matter to me. Because analytically, context is nothing. All that matters is the numbers. All that matters is the average. Do you really want to play that game? Do you really want to say, you know, I don't, I don't, statistically speaking, my quarterbacks are going to be fine every single week. Even when, in reality, as a practical matter, they're not. As a practical matter, in Week 16, Kyler Murray and Ryan Tannehill got crushed by Aaron Rodgers and Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen. <laughs> I don't like. I don't know of a better way to lay this out. A better way to pitch quarterback extreme than to say. You know, there's, there's, there is actual context here. This isn't just a bunch of numbers. There's actual context that needs to be considered. And on a weekly basis, that context is, is my quarterback going to be an average quarterback? Is he going to be a, an above-average quarterback? Or is it possible that he's going to be a below-average quarterback? And if the answer is C, there's a chance he's a below-average quarterback this week. I want the ability to get him out of my lineup and replace him with a guy who's going to be, at worst, average. With quarterback extreme, you can do that because you've got five quarterbacks to choose from. And not only can you find the guys who are going to be average, you're going to find the guys who are going to be above average. In all of these scenarios, I had at least two guys who were above the, the league average for the week at the quarterback position among the five guys. I always had at least two. And usually had 
a third who was at least average. So, you know, that to me, like, that's, that is the argument for quarterback extreme. Forget trade value. That's still there. You can still exploit that, and I highly encourage it. But the bottom line is we want five quarterbacks to choose from so that we can avoid bad matchups, we can avoid bad situations. We're not going to be forced to start, you know, Sam Darnold against the Steelers. Mitchell Trubisky against the Rams. We're not gonna we're not gonna end up in that situation. We're gonna cherry pick matchups, and we're going to have guys every single week who are, are at or above average at both quarterback and superflex. And it's going to create a cushion of upwards of 33. I mean, we're looking at 33 points. And honestly, there were there are if if I really wanted to cherry pick, I could find I could find you even bigger discrepancies than that. We could create even greater discrepancies than that. But that's, I mean, that actually is an outlier. <laughs> it it actually is hard to do that. You know, to find the guys who are going to score forty points, both of them score forty points on the week that your opponents guys score you know nine points five points whatever like those are extremes we're not going to chase that but it it could happen the only way though that you're ever going to do that is with the quarterback extreme strategy where you've got five quarterbacks to choose from you're not I promise you you're not going to find the perfect combination of quarterbacks when you only have two of them or even if you have three of them you're not going to find that perfect combination that overcomes matchups every single week, particularly in the fantasy playoffs when you've got to win three straight. You're just not going to find two guys in perfect matchups for three straight weeks. Not, not when you're only rolling with two guys. So... Anyways, that's <laughs> this is like I said, these numbers are important because we're using these numbers correctly. We're looking at what actually happens. And we're saying there's, you know, what there's a way to manipulate this. There's a way to put ourselves in that position where we've got you know, we've got the absolute best of it every single week. So that's 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 my plea to you. That's my pitch. That quarterback extreme strategy. I know that there are arguments out there about, you know, about value over replacement. Look at their weekly, you know, look at their per game average. Their per game average means nothing. It really doesn't. Kyler Murray's point per game average was well over 20. Week 16 of the fantasy playoffs, he scored 16.38 points. And that's fine. That's a respectable score, but Aaron Rodgers outscored him by 10 points. Andy Dalton outscored him by 11 points. So forget per game average. Don't let them tell you that that is, is something to live and die by. Don't let them tell you that. 
Don't let them tell you you're okay with just two quarterbacks. Don't even let them tell you that you're okay with three quarterbacks. Because one of the what if one of those guys isn't available? He's hurt, he's on bye, whatever. You're still stuck with those same two guys regardless of their matchups. And it could be Breeze against the Vikings and Rivers against the Steelers and they combine for 21 points. Well, your opponent's quarterback, you know, Tom Brady alone scores 29 points. And then all the points from the Superflex are free. So don't let them tell you that that's acceptable. Don't let them tell you that that's the optimal way to construct your roster. Five quarterbacks. That's the optimal. That's the roster construction. Because it gives us that ability to stream within our roster. And that's the type of advantage that you can actually create as a practical matter. That's the advantage you can actually create every single week. Let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Subscribe to Superflex City as well. Uh, you can get all of the great Superflex sh- Super Show content there at uh, Superflex City, as long as it, it, as well as Super Flexible, Super Flexperts, Snake in the Draft, and uh, the, the Commissioner's Office, and the all the uh, you know this city life, all of the great podcasts being created over at Superflex City and being produced on Superflex on the Superflex City Mega Feed. So. Catch that one as well. You can keep up with all the great Superflex content over there. Um, but again, above all else, like subscribe to the Super Show. It helps a lot. Rating and review. If you would give a rating and a review to the Superflex Super Show, that is the most helpful, the most meaningful thing that you can possibly do. I get asked all the time, when are you going to start a Patreon? When are you going to start to monetize this stuff? This is super useful. You know, it's it's thought provoking, even if you don't always agree with it, it's still thought provoking. And there's value in that. You know, and, and a lot of people have come to me and asked me, when are you going to monetize this? Because this is worth something. And I I say the same thing every single time. I don't need the money for this. I don't want the money for this. That's not what this is about for me. This is fun for me. I'm passionate about this. I feel strongly about this stuff. I feel strongly about this process and I want to share it. And I don't want finances to get in the way of your ability to consume it. So I'm not going to do that. It's not it's just not important enough to me to be making money at this. But what does help if there's if you've gotten any value out of this podcast listening to the Superflex Super Show, listening to the Quarterback Extreme Strategy. If you've gotten anything out of it, if you would give a rating and review to the Superflex Super Show, it is massively helpful. It actually it means more to me than than you know making money at this because it helps me get out to more people. You know those high ratings help us you know get higher on the list on uh, on the various podcatchers and those reviews those positive reviews 
I mean, it can be negative. That's fine, too. You can leave a negative review. I mean, I hope that you won't leave a negative review because you disagree with the process. Leave a negative review because, you know, you don't like uh, you don't like something about me personally. That's fine. <laughs> Do that. Leave a negative review because you don't like the intro music. I don't know how you wouldn't. Heart and Soul Radio is awesome. But, you know, the, there are things that you could definitely hit us for. But if it's just that you don't agree with something that's being said, I hope that you would not leave a negative review for that. But just any review for those, you know, someone searches for a Superflex podcast and they find the Superflex Super Show, and they read this review from you saying, man, this was helpful to me. Now, hopefully this person is not one of your league mates. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not. But either way, you know, this complete stranger, totally different part of the world, and they read your review talking about the Superflex Super Show, and they start listening. And now they've got questions that, you know, that, that enhance the overall conversation. And then I come on here and talk about that. I answer their questions, and it ends up being something that was useful to you. That's how this whole thing works. That's how this whole thing perpetuates. So let's keep that going. Please rate and review the show. That is the longest explanation I've ever given for that, but I'm just... I mean, we're talking numbers today, and I just can't stop. So that's, there's, there's some analytic talk for you. The analytics of podcasting help us to grow this super flex, super show, super friends community by rating and reviewing the show. Get at us on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. Even better, just come to me individually at SuperFlexDude. I'm horrible, absolutely horrible at checking that damn super show account so just come to me individually at superflex dude can answer questions in dms you can at me with some questions you can send me your trade polls i'll uh, i'll definitely retweet them sometimes throughout the off season i'll even uh and in season i'll even bring them here on the show and analyze them for you break them down for you this episode was dedicated in loving memory to james the brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.